Radio, freedomslips.com. You don't need to expect us. We're already here. This is the people's war. It is our war. We are the fighters. Fight it, then. Fight it with all that is in us. And may God defend the right. Warning, warning. We gotta stop them. They're gonna kill us all. See how the trouble you've started? Be they the government, be they industry, be they organized labor, be they anyone, or human beings. Time when the operation of the machine becomes so odious, makes you so sick at heart, that you can't take part. You can't even passively take part. And you've got to put your bodies upon the gears and upon the wheels, upon the levers, upon all the apparatus, and you've got to make it stop. And you've got to win the change of the people who run it, and the people who own it. Revolution Radio of FreedomSlips.com, the number one listener-supported talk radio station, throwing ourselves upon the gears of the machine. Revolution Radio, where information never sleeps. You called down the thunder, well now you've got it. Right, you tell them I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? Hell's coming with me! Revolution Radio! We did not engage in conflict that was out of line with our mission. Is it disloyalty? Is it sedition? Is it treason to oppose the hands of tyranny? Never! I will never send troops anywhere on a mission of that kind without telling them that if somebody shoots at them, they can darn well shoot back. I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty! Oh, give me! A dark cloud is finally lifting across the world as U.S. military intelligence and their global partners are destroying the deep state criminal power structure that has ruled over our planet for hundreds of years. We are free with the God-given right, and we shall not yield that right to any power on Earth. Hi, I'm Scott McKay. The world is at, and I am your host on The Tipping Point. On Revolution Radio, where every Monday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, we bring you the latest in this ensuing takedown of this global criminal empire. That's an image of strength. You'll get the raw, hard truth here on The Tipping Point. So come join us Mondays, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, in Studio B at Revolution.Radio. Thanks for listening while we took that short break here at Revolution Radio, FreedomSlips.com. And now we're going to get back to your host. Okay. Uh, good morning. Good afternoon. Uh, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. It's 4 p.m. in the UK. I'm starting on my recording. Uh, I'm here every every. Saturday morning in the in the US, every Saturday afternoon in the UK. Four o'clock in the UK, uh, eleven o'clock in the US. Um, yeah, I've, I've got a couple of things lined up today. I'm going to talk for ten minutes first of all. Then I've got a clip from the the Dark Horse podcast. It's about six minutes. So interesting conversation between between Brett and Heather. I thought it was worth playing. And then I've got a, uh, an interview with uh, David E. Martin. 
that was done uh, by London Real uh, last year. But again, I think that's worth playing. I've just discovered some of this stuff. I'm a bit late to the party, but uh, I'm catching up and uh, I'm getting there. I missed out. I seem to have missed out on pandemic indoctrination for some reason, and I don't know why I missed it. <laughs> I was probably just in denial because I've been in denial for quite a long time. Um, so yeah, now I'm I'm kind of retracing everybody else's steps from September last year onwards, just catching up a little bit because for some reason I didn't go there last year, but I'm going there now and that's good enough for me. I've had other things to do in between. I've obviously had other things. I've been working on other things basically. So you can only do so much at any one point in time. So there's no point in me beating myself up over being 10 months late because it's just it's just the timing's my timing. It's not anybody else's. So there's nobody can tell anybody what their timing is. It's like, I've got to come to this myself. I can't come to it because somebody's screaming and shouting and bawling at me because I'm probably just going to switch off if people are screaming and shouting and bawling at me. I'm more likely to respond to somebody like David Martin, who's got a, a set of evidence. He's got a paper trail. And he's basing everything he says on that paper trail. And that's that's the kind of presentation that works for me. And I, I can't change that. I'm not going to change that because it's part of who I am. So maybe I'll get there later than everybody else, but I'll still get there. And when I get there, you can guarantee I'm going to share the evidence everywhere I can possibly think of. And we'll see what happens from there. Anyway, so... It's been a it's been a, a, a bit of an up and down week for me because I'm I've been preparing bits and pieces for a funeral. Uh, I was asked to to pick out some music. We, we had a, a committee meeting of, of everybody of of the guy who's being cremated friends yesterday, and we all chipped in stories and bits and pieces. Uh, somebody else is actually doing the music, but. The process of me picking out music for the funeral was a very, very important process because I've got to grieve and it takes me a little while. I'm I'm a bit slow, as I've said, so it takes me a while to get to the point where I'm actually grieving about some about it. And it was it was playing. It was playing the videos and playing the music that just set me off on Wednesday. So I've done I've done that kind of I've done part of it. So it won't, the funeral won't be as bad as it would otherwise have been for me, I think. It'll still be horrendous, but it won't be as... I haven't got as much to get out of my system now. So there was a letting go process going on, which is part of what this this, podca this podcast and radio show and everything's about. It's just me getting in touch with my, with my emotions and letting stuff go. Which I've been doing been doing for a few years, but this is the public version of it. So yeah, so it's probably time to do five minutes or so about Jeff. Jeff was a a TV producer. He's the guy we're creating on Thursday. So he's got his legacy is the things that he was working with. He worked on a, a TV show called called Razmataz, which is a children's music show, on a show called The Tube, 
which was a kind of teen show. Like it went out at tea time on a Friday, but it was aimed kind of at teenagers. He's he worked on um, on the Brit Awards, which was a major major like the Britannia Music Awards is the official name for it, but the Brits is what we call it kind of here. He worked on that. So there's a lot of there's a lot of music that he was involved in doing TV shows with, particularly from the 1980s and some of the 90s. So I went through some of that and he did a documentary about Stevie Nicks, uh, which he, he spent a day in a stately home. They hired a stately home outside of London. Uh, borrowed a Steinway piano, set that up in the in the, the main room in the stately home. And he, he told me stories about having, he wasn't allowed to put runners on the floor. They weren't allowed to change anything on the floor. So they put the camera on a wheelchair and they had somebody up a ladder with another camera. And he told me the story loads of times, but it was... But that was how they did the documentary, was they interviewed Stevie Nicks and she played the piano and she sang a few songs. And she was talking about her depression, coming out of her depression. Uh, so, I mean, if it was up to me, that would be the that would be the thing that they played. Probably not his funeral, but we're doing a, we're doing a couple of fundraising events as well for him to pay for the funeral because he didn't leave any money. He left like a minimum amount of money, so we're having we're having some raffles and some cabaret. There'll be some drag, a few drag acts and some singers, and maybe a music quiz. He liked his music quizzes and all that. So uh, anyway, there's a couple of Sundays where we'll be raising money for the for the, to pay for the funeral. Thursdays the it's funeral service cremation itself so presumably the fundraiser will be after that um i don't know that i don't know exactly the details but it's kind of helped me though kind of sitting and i've kind of had my own i had my own funeral service on wednesday when i was working through this music stuff so it definitely helps so i recommend if you get the option to even if nobody asks you to do it if you know somebody who's involved in music and they've died and you and you're burying them, go through and pick some funeral songs because it'll help. As as a part of a grieving process, it definitely helps. Anyway, that's my opener. Uh, I want to play this piece from the, the Dark Horse podcast. So let me share my screen again. So it looks like it looks like it's sharing, so I'm gonna assume that it is. Until I find out otherwise. Okay, now I should be back. I've gone. I've moved on to my uh, my phone directly rather than running the laptop, so I can talk. But I might not be able to play the videos I wanted to play. Yeah, this is inevitable with my shows. Um, I'm assuming you can hear me. Give me a, give me an indication you can hear me if you can in the chat room, please. And I'll just carry on. Seems like I'm in talking mode anyway this week. So, all right, cool. 
Yeah, I'm just going to talk then for a little while, and I'll I'll play the I'll play the dark horse thing. What I want to what I might do because I'm talking about that documentary, I might play a little bit of that documentary as well because it's in it's in my head, and I want to kind of do a bit of a tribute to Jeff Brown anyway. I wasn't planning on doing it this week, but it looks like I'm going to be doing it this week. Uh, so there we go. Anyway. I'm not going to, it's called The Other Side of the Mirror. Um, I'm probably not, I can't play the the song. I'll play a little bit of the music, but. Well, that's when the story of the heart. That's the story of the last few years of my life. And I, and I think I wrote that song really because sometimes I get tired of people telling me their opinions of what I do. Because I want to say that you have no idea what I live with. You have no idea what my life is like. You have no idea the responsibility that I feel to people or the guilt that I carry around with me or how much I want to please everybody and how hard I try to please everybody and make everybody happy. It's very difficult. I mean, it's aging. And uh, doing the best I can sort of says, get off my back, basically. I'm doing the best that I can. And I have been doing the best I can for as long as I can remember. So either give me a break or leave me alone. And it's a very serious song. I mean, there's, I mean, it's sad. I mean, in my distress, I wanted someone to blame me. In my, you know, in my own way, disaster was the only thing I could depend on. I mean, that's, that's pretty down in the very depths of despair, which is where I pretty much was when I wrote the song which meant I cannot take all of this advice and go on living with all of you. You've got to let me grow up and leave me to my own decisions. I'm a grown up. I'm not a child. as much as I can get away with because YouTube will go straight for that. But um, yeah, anyway. Right, the next one is a is the, the Dark Horse podcast. This is uh, a conversation between Brett and Heather uh, on why people are not concerned about sliding into two. On the question, why are people not concerned about sliding into t- tyranny? Uh, it's from live stream Q and A ninety two, 
and there's a six minute clip. So I'm just going to play this because I thought it was an in, it was an interesting conversation. Why are so few concerned with the obvious slide into tyranny? Well, I think more people are concerned that are letting on. I think that's one thing. I mentioned last week that I overheard three three liberal women um, talking about what they were seeing in the park, uh, and I was heartened by their observations and by knowing that other people were seeing things. And um, you know, it's it's hard to calibrate how much what we're hearing, what that means about how how many other people are out there thinking thinking some of the thoughts that we're thinking. Um, but we hear from a lot of people um, who are just grateful for the conversation about the pointing out of some of the inconsistencies and uh, and the tyranny. Um, I'm going to go slightly more mechanistic. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to borrow what I think is Rahm Emanuel's uh, famous unfortunate gaffe, uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. Maybe that's not even Rahm Emanuel, but I don't remember. In any case, I think there's a cognitive defect that people have. If you're not used to thinking of many dimensional complex systems kinds of problems, then you may have commitments that are good ones, but they're too strong, right? So the idea that there's a conflict between, let's say, public health and private health, and that in order for the public health to be well served, um, one has to accept coercion, let's say, in the private health realm, right? So you may have to uh, take a vaccine um, in order to drive a pathogen to extinction or to get it controlled for the good of everybody. And if everybody treats their own health individually, we don't reach a number that's useful and people will die, right? Right. Okay. So once you say, well, the good people are the ones that are willing to modify their own behavior in favor of the game theoretic of beating the um, free rider problem. Okay. But now if you say, well, that's just something for rider problem by prioritizing their own health and public health. Uh, now you just set up a mechanism whereby you can be gamed. If somebody recognizes that you have that as a, a sacred value, then they may hand you something in the guise of this is what the good people will do in order to serve the public health that may have nothing to do with the public health. I mean, this is an exact match for what I've said repeatedly on here. <clears throat> that, you know, you say, ah, this is a terrible thing. Person A says, this is a terrible thing. Person B says, it sure is. It's a really terrible thing. Person A says, therefore, the solution is X. Person B says, no, it's a terrible thing, but I don't think the solution is going to do it. Don't believe in solution X, and you don't believe this is a terrible thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that that's not being heard. I'll switch it off. I'll just, I'll just talk. Uh, I thought that would pick up okay because I did the last time. Last time I did that, but I'm using the laptop. I'm playing the video on the laptop and holding the phone over the top of it so that it'll pick it up, and it's obviously not working. Not to worry, it was worth a try. So uh, we'll carry on. Carry on regardless, anyway. It's a shame because it was a good clip. Um, yeah, so so my week's been a bit up and down, as I said. Uh, I've been the the thing that got me through it. The really the thing that got me through it, apart from the the Wednesday I spent 
picking picking music was was Dracula movies, believe it or not. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But uh, I, for some reason, uh, I started watching Dracula movies on BitChute. Somebody's been uploading the old Hammer Horror movies on BitChute. And I started watching uh, Taste the Blood of Dracula. And uh, I started, and actually I started with, and remember enjoying it when I was about 15 or 12 or something like that. When I was a teenager anyway, I used to watch these things. And so I did a, I did a podcast where I was just doing a, like talking about my memories of horror movies and playing a bit of Taste the Blood of Dracula. And, uh, and it, it got me into a good mood for some reason. I don't know why. I still don't know why. But uh, it got me into a mood where I was like posting podcasts that I that I hadn't posted before that were much more kind of uh, criminal criminal conspiracy related and uh, virus research related and things like that. So the podcast has veered from the metaphysical to the very, very, very physical over the last few weeks. So I'm now on a, a physical level with it. And I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying posting what I'm posting on there. It's just, I mean, it, it's it's kind of spilled over onto the onto this show as well, because I'm much more, it's, it's a much more physical show than I normally do. Um, in terms of it's about the real world and it's about what's going on. And that's not really my style. It hasn't been my style for the last 18 months. But I seem to be there now. So I've landed. I'm, I'm officially grounded. Uh, and I, I can still do the metaphysics. There's no reason why I can't still do the metaphysics. But I can do the, I can do the virus research stuff as well. And and since I discovered David David Martin, there's there's I can now talk about the paper trail and the patents. If well, I, I can't remember the patents at the moment, but I will get them in my head at some point. The ones that he talks about, and I'll I'll be able to talk to people about patents for coronavirus and all that. So it'll give me a way of talking about the situation that's very 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 backed up with research instead of just speculating about stuff and I prefer to have the backup of of evidence for this particular conversation at least I don't mind speculating about metaphysics I'll do that till the cows come home but uh, for the for the coronavirus conversation there needs to be a paper trail for me at least and if it if everybody around me is resisting the speculation and the conspiracy theories because they, because they don't have a paper trail and I can give them a paper trail because I've now found David Martin's research then that's going to potentially open a lot of people's eyes because it's opening people's eyes in a different way to the way that Rev Radio does it it's opening people's eyes in in a way that's uh, that, they, that that 
that isn't emotional. The appeal to emotion is is, is good. It's a it's a it's a place to start. But uh, for me, there has to be a, there has to be a paper trail. There has to be evidence, and it's just that's just the way I am. Um, and for a lot of other people, a lot of other people are the same. So I'm gonna see what happens at the funeral on Thursday. But I'm yeah, I've got some ideas anyway. I've got some ideas now that I've got a, enough of a combination of material. There might be a way to to offer it to somebody as a as a TV production or something. I don't know. My brain was whirring this week, but I'm sure when people see the amount of uh, grant application paperwork and the amount of via, uh, patent patent applications on virus research and tools for testing for viruses and all of that that's all that's all in david martin's research then i'm guessing the, the media will look at it because it's not just a, an appeal to emotion i don't know i could be wrong but i think it'll, i think it'll open more doors from that point of view than than it does from from the emotional point of view we'll have, i'll have to wait and see have to wait and see. Right, let me see if I can get back onto the server from the other Skype. Because if I can, I can play the video. Give me a couple of seconds, folks, while this loads up. It may not work, but it's worth a try. And we're on a kind of half an hour break anyway so I'll, I'll just remind people that revolution radio is listener supported uh we rely on donations to to keep the servers running and there's two two studios running more or less 24 hours a day so uh if you can make a donation and you're interested in keeping things running smoothly uh head over to freedomslips.com or revolution.radio and then on the top navigation bar, you'll find a donation button and a store. So you can buy merchandise or you could set up a, a standing order or a monthly donation or do a one-off donation. Entirely up to you. Just depends what what's available. Uh, or just come along and, and talk to people in the chat room and support, support the station that way. Right, let's... Uh... See what we can do with this other Skype. It seems to be building up. Okay, back to the other Skype and see see what happens. So, so I did Stevie next. Let's just do the David Martin for the rest of the show and. Uh, See how much of this we can get through. It's a two and a half hour interview. Oh, it's gone. Has it gone? No. No, it hasn't. That's good. So it's a two and a half hour interview. I'm just going to play the first uh, 20 minutes of it, probably. Uh, this is uh, an interview that David Martin did with London Real uh, in September last year.
free in oh is that gone is no it's gone something going on with us today all right i'll try it again because it's, it's loud so it might pick up you never know it's all a bit improvised this week so he's advertising his digital freedom platform at the beginning of this i'll skip that just go straight into the straight into the interview
for reemergence or a deliberate release of SARS coronavirus, vaccine development was initiated. That sentence was written into a patent application on March the 28th, 2019. And you heard what I said, vaccine development was, past tense, was initiated. So that means before March 28th, 2019, a deliberate release of SARS coronavirus was not only contemplated, but Moderna wrote it into their patent applications. Just let that chilling fact of what I just said sink in. Right? This is not a company that was operating in the conjecture theoretical world. This was not a company that was in the middle of this anonymous R&D program that was just happenstance to be running along looking at coronavirus. This was a patent application that had first been submitted in 2015. And the United States Patent Office had rejected it. You heard what I just said. They rejected the application, not once or twice. Over and over and over again, they rejected this patent application. But on March the 28th, 2019, suddenly a SARS beta coronavirus specific vaccine, and specifically not just SARS beta coronavirus, specifically the S1 spike protein, the thing that was allegedly novelly modified in December of 2019 in a bat cave in China, that was specifically referenced in March 2019. Now, keep in mind, and Brian, you know this, the company went public in 2018. This patent application was written March 28, 2019, which means around the time of the IPO, it is reasonable to assume that somebody knew that there was going to be a, are you ready for this? Their words, not mine, re-emergence or deliberate release of a beta coronavirus. Yeah, wow, is all I have to say to that. Here's the problem. You know, fact check the hell out of it. It's, it's their words, not mine. This is not my impression. This is their words. Now, you have a history of watching companies do things they shouldn't do. So I'm guessing when you see things like this, you're not as surprised as the general public. I mean, because a lot of people think, oh, no, that can't be true. These companies are in our interest. They serve us our coffee and they make our sneakers and they make us healthy. There's no way there's any of this. this you're just a conspiracy theorist. I mean, you know, it, you have, but you see this all the time, right? Correct. Okay. Well, and, and here's the funny thing. Let's let's make sure we're clear on something. We have a whole bunch of actual criminal conspiracy laws in the United States. Um, we, we have unfortunately decided that the word conspiracy has to be followed by theory because that's what the mainstream media has decided. But this is a conspiracy. This is not a theory. You cannot say that you were working on three other viruses that have nothing to do with coronavirus, and then suddenly on March the 28th, you suddenly have just this aha moment that there might be, in your words, a deliberate release of beta coronavirus. That, that's not an accidental, that's not, that's not Doc Brown in Back to the Future falling off a toilet and hitting his head and getting the flux capacitor. Somebody told somebody 
that this was a real scenario that was worth pursuing. And so you can't you can't hide behind the oh who would have seen it coming? Well, the answer is somebody saw it coming. And so they filed another thousand patents that day to cover all sorts of other scenarios. It was discreet. That's correct. Okay. All right. So was what? So nearly what? Seventeen months ago. Nine months before allegedly it happened, it happened. Okay. All right. And walk us through this. What does that mean? And what does that tell us about this company? And what do we need to know about this company? Well, so let's go into the history of Moderna a little bit. It's a very interesting company, and it has backed up its brakes truck full of armed robbers to the Treasury and has been robbing the U.S. taxpayer for a long time. This company, in its 2019 financial statement, said that it had $187 million of grant funding from the federal government and from foundations that had been untapped. This is a company that presented itself as in financial straits, but we find evidence of hundreds of millions of dollars of grant funding coming from places like DARPA and NIH and NIAID and other places where the company not only is not producing things, but this is the weird thing. Moderna is not a company that has actually had a history of financial success. It's been in the market since 2010 when it started. It started, as you know, with this very interesting alliance between a venture capital firm and a group of researchers in the Northeast here in the US. And they just came together and saw an opportunity to exploit a technology they did not own. And that's a big statement, but listen to why I'm making There's a company called uh, uh, Arbutus um, Therapeutics. And Arbutus has a patent, and the patent number, and you know I'm a stickler for details, so the patent number, for anybody who wants to look at it, 8,058069, that patent issued to Arbutus is a patent on the, the lipid nanoparticle technology. And, and I'll give you a very simple way to think about that. That's a, it's a complex term, but think of, think of a lipid nanoparticle as the envelope in which you put the messenger RNA to get into the cell. It's, it's the delivery mechanism for the vaccine compound. And that patent, which was issued to Arbutus on the lipid nanoparticle, which is, is critical for the Moderna vaccine, was actually not Moderna's to use. So Here's a company who in their 130 plus patents have never acknowledged the federal government's support for their research, despite the fact that almost all of it's derived from the federal government. Here's a company that in so doing has violated the federal law over 130 times because the Bayh-Dole Act, which put in motion the law that said that if you get federal funding, you have to disclose it in your patent applications. They have not complied with that law on any of the applications germane to this vaccine or any of the other four that they have candidate trials for. So here's a company who's been compulsively breaking the law. They are not only breaking the law, but they're using someone else's platform technology, the enabling technology, without license. And that's the company that Anthony Fauci picks to be the front runner for the preferred Operation Warp Speed vaccine. You sit there going, well, hold on a minute. Why are all of these funds flowing to an, a company that has compulsively been an illegal operator for nearly a decade? 
anytime that happens, we smell a rat by evidence of the rat droppings, not because we have a hunch about rats. Whose responsibility is it to discover this and prosecute this, you know, from a, from a legal standpoint? Well, here's the funny thing. There's a thing called the Federal Acquisitions Regulations, or the FAR. And inside the FAR, there is a requirement for every federal agency to make sure that the companies they work with represent and warrant that they are legally able to produce, manufacture, and sell whatever they're selling to the government. There is no question that the National Institutes of Health there is no question that DARPA, and there is no question that NIAID has had the ability to look at the evidence and see that this company is violating the law. And despite the evidence being in place since the first patent application that predated the foundation, by the way, of Moderna by about four months. So Moderna's first patent exists before Moderna exists. In every one of the subsequent patents, they failed to disclose the federal funding. And as a result, every agency who has given them a contract has been violating contract rules under sections 27 and 52 of the federal acquisitions uh, regulation. And so that's kind of what this news is about. Since they took some funding from DARPA and these other government institutions, they, correct me if I'm wrong, they can't legally, what, produce and distribute this vaccine? Is that, is that yeah, it? So, so the, core, the core problem is that the platform, the envelope in which you develop, deliver the mRNA is a technology they don't own. And this you recently I mean, covered? Or is this something you've sitting on for a little while? Well, we, as you know, and we've talked about this um, informally, and we've, I've talked about this with Mickey for a long time going into pandemic. We've been monitoring all of these patent issues since 2003 when coronavirus got started. And so we've monitored every entrant into the field. I mean, if you go back and you look at how many companies in 2003, 4, and 5 filed patents on SARS coronavirus vaccines, Many of them not only exist, but many of them were acquired by companies like Crucell, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, and others. So the com compilation of vaccine patents has been going on with now over 1,400 patents. You heard that number correctly. Over 1,400 patents on SARS-CoV vaccines and vaccine-related technologies. The idea that Moderna is somehow in a unique position to have the right to not only the market, but to have the exclusive advantage of Operation Warp Speed is beyond the pale. This is a, a $1.4 billion lottery win to bank robbers. Yeah, yeah you said before that just like, uh, quote unquote, it's a fraud. Um, basically, Mike Pondera has been giving this carte blanche endorsement to Anthony Fauci, and you've also said, in quote, Moderna and Jones, hundreds of millions of dollars of funding, allegiance, and advocacy from Fauci and his NIAID. Um, there's some link there, you think, which is why he, he, he fights so hard to give them the funding and is also still pushing for this vaccine. Is that, is that what's unwritten yeah, here? Let's, let's take a little journey into organized crime for a minute. Um, I, I, uh, I spent a lot of time working in the Pacific and in Africa 
with mining companies that, that love to do what are called bump and dump routines, where they, they'll, they'll pump up a stock, they'll inflate it, they'll bump the market price up, and then usually they have positions on both the buy and the sell side. And you understand this from the capital markets where people short stocks and do all sorts of other things. The fact of the matter is this company has been playing a very, very poor version of what organized crime has done for a long time, which is, you know, you, you pretend like you have something, you pitch it, you get emotional investment to start running up the stock price, you start profit taking. And, and in fact, what you're doing is stealing. You're stealing from the public. Now, the, the beautiful thing about this kind of theft is that it's done with people in suits, usually at trading desks. And, and as a result, it doesn't look like a crime, but it is a crime. You know, when Anthony Fauci goes out and starts talking about Gilead Sciences Remdesivir or the, the mRNA vaccine from, from the, the producers of, of kind of the latest, greatest from Moderna, the fact of the matter is he is doing a part of the puzzle which makes that racket work. You, you pump a thing, you inflate the perceived value of it, and then you profit take while the rest of the market is listening to what's been said and they're continuing to push the stock price up. Now, the CEO of Moderna has made it abundantly clear that all of their stock sales were you know, pre-arranged and pre-ordered. But I'm going to ask you a question. If you went public in 2018, if you went public in 2018 and, and you didn't have $1.4 billion of new, fresh, non-dilutive money from the Treasury, if, if you went public in 2018, wouldn't you hold on to your stock because you knew it was going to go up? Because this is not what was in your pro forma. This was not in what was in your S1 filing. You actually got a better deal than you thought you had. So as an executive, if you really believed that the truth of your success was in fact going to live out, you would have canceled your stock orders. You would have canceled those sale orders. But they didn't do that. They let Anthony Fauci pump their stock up, and then they exited, and they're taking money off the table while the rest of the world is being duped. So as we speak, and money off the table. No question. Really. And so that's my next question is, in your opinion, how does this play out? Does this get pumped and dumped? And vaccines never appear, and this is just a story of tears for the public investors. Well, so I think there's a couple scenarios, Brian. I think the one that we know is that Moderna knew about the Arbutus problem. In fact, they knew about it was a big enough problem that they went to the Patent Trial Appeals Board this summer to try to get Arbutus' patent invalidated. Much to their chagrin, it didn't work. And in July, the Patent Trials Appeal Board came back and said, sorry, guys, Arbutus patent really is there and it really does stand. And obviously, they sent the spin machine in motion. Moderna said, well, we think we've got workarounds and we think we've got all that kind of thing. But their market cap took a 9% hit when people found out that maybe there was trouble brewing. And 9% is a meaningful market cap hit. You know that. Um, now, imagine what happens in the following scenario. And this is my actual really serious concern. I think Anthony Fauci is going to paint President Trump into a corner. I think President Trump has been pushing very hard to get a vaccine. All right, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop it, uh, the video there.
because he goes into what he thinks is going to be the October surprise before the election, and it it didn't happen like that. So let's not worry about that too much. He's clearly speculating at this point. <clears throat> but uh, the information is good up to that point, and it continues to be good for the rest of the the hour and a half that I watched last night. So I'm going to put the the link in into the chat. Uh, the, the video is on BitChute. And you really just need to look for David David E. Martin or David Martin. Uh, and it's the it's the two and a half hour one that shows up. It's on the Sense Sense, Sense Sound channel on BitChute. And uh, and was put there on seventh of September. And it's originally originally on the Freedom platform, which is uh, the London Real spin-off uh, video platform for things that get them banned on YouTube. Anyway, so I'm going to post that in the in the chat now. If anybody wants to watch it, it's worth it's worth a look. Certainly the first hour and a half. So I'll just let you know where you can find me online. Uh, the the main place at the moment is uh, Podbean. So if you look for, you've got to use Podbean on on your phone. Well, you can do it on the you can do it on a laptop or whatever, but it's sure it's it's a bit clunky on the laptop and you can't participate. But you can listen, and uh, and the podcasts are on any almost any podcast platform. I put them on Google Google Podcasts. They're on Spotify. They're on uh, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. The podcast called free association radio show podcast and roundtable so if you look for that as the title you'll find it on any podcasting platform um the website i'm updating slowly is shadowplay.live and there's a radio station that i set up a couple of years ago that's now got about 300 people listening to it three 350 i think it's the last count which is radioprojects.co.uk. So that's growing quite nicely. Uh, the podcast's growing quite nicely. The stats are doing reasonably well on there. I'm very happy with both of them at the moment. I'm sure they'll get more and more people coming in as I go along. So oh, the other place you can find me is Twitter. So my name's Dennis Barker. It's Dennis with two N's. And I signed up many, many years ago using my real name. Uh, so that's that's how you can find me on Twitter. And there's a lot of automated posts for everything I do on Twitter. So you'll, you'll be able to find out what I'm doing from Twitter. That's probably the best place to look for me. Um, yeah. So once again, <clears throat> Revolution Radio is listener supported. Yeah, if you... Do you get the urge if you've got a, a fiver burning a hole in your pocket at any point or, or ten dollars or whatever head down to revolution.radio have a look on the top navigation bar you'll find a donation tab you can make a, a one-off donation or, or do it monthly or whatever uh, you'll find archives my shows from the last year and a bit are in the archives but there's a lot of good stuff in there so um, 
dig deep in the archives and you'll find some good material. Once you know what you want to listen to, once you know the type of uh, presentation that you like of the material and the, the way people do things, everybody's got their own style. Uh, some of it you'll like, some of it you'll hate, but everybody's got their own style. So everybody's going to reach different people and that's that's the point of it. My style won't reach everybody, but somebody else on this network will reach those people that I that I can't talk to or that don't like the the way that I do things. Whatever, it's it's up to them. I'll carry on doing what I do because it's it's my way of expressing who I am, and uh, people will find me when they're ready. And I'm I'm quite happy with with the way things are going, even though it's been a bit of up and down this week. So thanks for listening. Uh, I'll be back next week, hopefully with a slightly better technical setup. I'll figure out what's going on with the laptop. I think it's sorted out for next week. But feeling that, uh, I'll see you at 7 o'clock Eastern. Barbara Jean Lindsay, the Cosmic Oracle. If you have questions about your past lives or future plans, need answers from the cosmos about your love life or career, or just want to keep your finger on the pulse of the planet, check out my show, The Cosmic Oracle, here on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Be evasive. But that doesn't mean that they're telling the truth as opposed to fiction. And Genesis chapter 6, verse 4. And there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came and unto the daughters of men, indicating that there were giants before the Nephilim. And sons of God, plural. They weren't talking about Jesus coming down. No, no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh I'm Steve Crawford, host of Factor Theory Live. Join me every Sunday night from 10 p.m. till midnight Eastern Standard Time on Revolution Radio at freedomslips.com. Check it out. What the heck is the truth, Jihad? Hey, I'm Kevin Barrett, host of Truth Jihad Radio. Federal prosecutors, Department of Homeland Security agents, and curious passersby often ask me, just what is this Truth Jihad thing anyway? Well, everybody knows what truth is, but Jihad is a misunderstood term. Jihad means effort or struggle. The greater jihad is the struggle to be a better person, while the lesser jihad is the struggle to defend the community. Prophet Muhammad, peace upon him, did say that the best jihad is a word of truth flung in the face of a tyrant. And that's what we do here at Truth Jihad Radio. Every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, 5 to 7 Pacific, right here on Revolution Radio.